Welcome to Long Shots. This is the story of two brothers from the Midwest with nothing to lose, who created a tech empire and all the valuable lessons we learned along the way. Episode 3. Keep Calm and Chive On June 27, 1939, London, England. A.P. Waterfield and John Hilton laid out three motivational posters in front of the British Ministry of Information. In preparation for World War II, they had created three slogans. The first was a blue poster that read, Your courage, your cheerfulness, your resolution will bring us victory. The second poster read, Freedom is in peril, defend it with all your might. Then a third poster. It was bright red, with the British royal crown on top in bold sans-serif typeface read, Keep calm and carry on. The Home Secretary, Samuel Orr, carefully considered the designs and concluded that, given the imminent bombardment of England, keep calm and carry on might come off a bit too patronizing. So Samuel approved the first two designs, and the third design, the keep calm, was shelved. It was later determined that only about 15 originals were scattered about the country in different locations for purposes of cold storage. And for 60 years, none of the posters ever saw the light of day. Until July 2000, when Stuart Manley, the owner of Barter Books Limited, was sorting through a box of secondhand books he'd recently bought at auction. And there, resting neatly at the bottom of the box, was a faded red poster. Stuart held the poster up and asked his wife what she thought of it. Well, it's the epitome of Britishness. But it's got an inspiring message. Stuart agreed. Then later that week, he had it framed and hung it up behind the cash register at the shop. Over the next five years, the slogan began receiving so much attention at the shop that the Manley family finally gave in to requests and made a few replica posters. The poster caught the eye of a woman named Monica Olive Dancy. She thought that her son, Donald, would love it. So she rolled up the poster and sent it to her son. Donald got the poster, and it reminded him that we should all just keep calm and not lose our shit. So appropriately, he hung it above the loo in the downstairs bathroom. In 2009, my cousin Rick Phillip and I were living in a small apartment in the Venice Canals in Venice Beach. Our next-door neighbor, a handsome, foppish British man, he was at work. Donald Taylor was infinitely more successful than we were. Having produced a number of successful commercial and film projects meant that Donald had food and really good Spanish wine. Donald had given Rick and I a key to his place, and to reward him for this, we would go to his house and eat all of his food and drink all of his wine while we watched soccer on his TV. On this particular day, my brother Leo had joined us to watch the Football League Cup Finals. By the time Donald came home, we were already two bottles of Vega Cecilia Unico deep. You lot know, that's a 500-pound bottle of Grand Reserva. Nope. Well, it is. And it's not to be paired with fucking cheddar cheese. Well, Donald, cheddar is all you had in your fridge, so this sounds like a personal problem. 
My brother Leo appeared from the bathroom. Hey, Donald, you're out of cheese. Also, where'd you get that poster above your toilet? We had noticed over the past few weeks on our little website, The Chive, that our community was starting to say chive on to each other. It really wasn't our idea. It was just the community's way of a wink and nod to one another. We all huddled around the poster, and Leo counted C-A-R-R-Y on five fingers and C-H-I-V-E on the other hand. Same amount of letters. I have an idea. Let's change carry to chive and turn the red to green. It fits with our community saying chive on to each other in the comments all the time, and we could make green t-shirts that say keep calm and chive on. What about the crown? I don't know. Just keep it. At the time, America had plunged into recession. Nobody in America had ever heard of keep calm and carry on, and we couldn't find any information about it online. It was as if this 60-year-old design had never existed, and short of behind a cash register in Northumbria, England, it hadn't. Meanwhile, we had our own problems. Our pesky hosting bills on the Chive were piling up, and uh, uh, we couldn't afford them. The Chive traffic was exploding, and the vultures were starting to circle. We had competing offers from two venture capitalist firms, both for around $2 million to purchase the Chive. We thought that was flattering, and it would get us out of debt, and it would make Leo and I millionaires. We had modeled the Chive to look like one of our favorite websites, The Onion, in hopes they would purchase us. A couple weeks prior, when The Onion sent us a cease and desist letter, uh, we offered to sell them the Chive for $300,000. They told us to pound sand, to which we had responded by offering to buy The Onion for $2.50 and a pack of Newport menthols. There was a small part of us that didn't really think selling majority ownership to a bunch of bankers was a real great idea. The Chive wasn't exactly a straight-laced website, and the idea of having a bunch of bankers tell us what to do was unsettling. But what choice did we have? The business was groaning under the weight of its own success, and as the traffic piled up, so did our hosting bills, and we couldn't outrun the debt. We had about two weeks to figure it all out or we'd be forced to sell the company to the vultures. We had started a small e-commerce website called The Chivery on a little-known platform with a small company out of Ottawa, Canada called Shopify. The Chivery mostly sold t-shirts and not very good ones at that. There were about a dozen designs and our new intern, Mac Faulkner, he'd created a program that made the cow on his desk fart every time a new order came in. The cow farted about 12 times a day. Then at about 5 o'clock each day we would stop blogging and start folding and packing up the t-shirts. But we were going to have to sell a lot more t-shirts if we wanted to make ends meet. Rick was now working for us as the Chive's military editor. We'd started hiring our cousins because they worked for peanuts. I told Rick about the two weeks of working capital left before we were going to hit a wall and that we couldn't afford our hosting bills and selling a dozen t-shirts a day wasn't going to cut it. But we did have this new keep calm design that had potential. 
It was probably our only shot to avoid selling the entire company, but highly unlikely. Rick leaned back and said, Well, it looks like we got ourselves a SR-71 Libya situation. Rick couldn't business his way out of a shoebox, and he enjoyed analogizing business scenarios with military tactics and maneuvers. But Rick was smart. Even still, how on earth does the world's fastest jet have anything to do with selling t-shirts? What is that, Rick? Like, the hypersonic plane? Look, when you fire a missile at an SR-71, the pilot's got two options. First option is evasive maneuvers to confuse the missile. Or the pilot can floor it and attempt to beat the missile to the turn. All right, Rick, I will take my inspiration from wherever I can get it right now. So I googled SR-71 Libya. April 15, 1986. After President Reagan ordered attacks on General Muammar Gaddafi's terrorist camps, Gaddafi had set up a line of death along the Gulf of Sidra and lined it with SA-4 surface-to-air missiles. On April 15th, Major Brian Scholl, piloting the Lockheed SR-71 Blackbird, rocketed past that line at 2,125 miles an hour. Out of the window, Libya looked like a giant sandbox. Scholl and his co-pilot, Major Walter Watson, were on a reconnaissance mission to take photographs of the bomb damage at the camps. At the end of their sweep, the crew received launch indications from a SAM missile site below. From that altitude, a SAM launch often looks like popping popcorn against the tan desert floor. The systems officer confirmed that at least one SA-4 surface-to-air missile capable of Mach 5 was en route. The SR-71 could either perform a series of evasive maneuvers which would significantly slow the plane down, or they could make a straight line dash and beat the missile to the turn, effectively beating it to the designated point of intersection with raw speed. Walt's voice pierced the cockpit with news of more missile launch signals. Scholl gloved across a small silver wheel on the autopilot panel which controls the aircraft's pitch. Nosing it up one-sixth of a degree, he hit the throttle. The engines began gulping 10,000 cubic feet of air per second as the plane slammed past Mach 3. The pilot was going to bet both of their lives on the plane's performance. The cockpit goes eerily silent as the aircraft cuts through the steel blue sky. With no call from his co-pilot for defensive maneuvering, and the pilot confident the jet will deliver whatever speed he needs, Scholl pushed full left hand forward on the throttle. Mach 3.1, 3.2, 3.25, 331. The plane was moving downrange at 1.6 miles per second as the turn approached. Mach 3.4. Finally, at 80,000 feet, the plane curved out over the Mediterranean and laid down a parting sonic boom over Tripoli. Scholl looked down at the Mach meter. Mach 3.5. He was the fastest man alive. The story of the SR-71's incredible performance allowed them to hold their course and outrun the missile before returning home safely. What might be even crazier is the plane had so much momentum it flew the land equivalent of the state of Nebraska in four minutes just trying to slow down. Rick was directionally correct. If we were going to save the company, we had to go fast. 
We rushed the Keep Calm t-shirts into production just days later. And the minute we launched it, Max Mukow started farting uncontrollably. Dozens of orders were coming in every minute. You either blow up spectacularly or you gain enough momentum to drive the business forward. What are the chances that one of only a dozen Keep Calm posters in existence would find their way to a small cottage on the Venice Canals and that a couple of street urchins would turn it into a lifestyle brand? They say that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. I would agree. Keep Calm permeated the zeitgeist and became a battle cry to remind people that there are better days ahead. We were getting so many orders that we started palming our mailman a hundred bucks to pick up the shirts twice a day. And Leah would take the money from the sales and turn around and pay our hosting fees. In just two weeks, between the sales of Keep Calm and a small minority investment from our buddy Doug, we were able to outrun the bankers to the turn. We politely declined the offer from the bankers. We only got one reply. It read, good luck with that. When Steve Jobs returned to Apple in 1997 after being fired as a CEO from the company he founded, he said, you can cut your way to profitability sometimes, but you can innovate your way out of a problem 100% of the time. No matter what forces rise against you, if you get creative, you can pull off the impossible. Steve Jobs had learned the hard way that you must always maintain control of the company. This was the first offer my brother and I turned down, but it wouldn't be our last. Four years later, we would receive a new offer to purchase the chive for a quarter of a billion dollars. And we'll get to that. But first, join us next week for episode four when an American icon arrives unannounced at the chive. His name, Bill Murray. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and give us a five-star rating. Go to thechive.com forward slash long shots to subscribe to our newsletter. Also, I do personally try to read all the emails we receive. So if you'd like to reach out to the show, email me at longshots at thechive.com. Long Shots is hosted, executive produced, and written by me, John Resig, for Chive Media Group. Audio editing and sound design by Stephen Wilson. Tune in next week for episode four of Long Shots. Also, for everyone who bothered to listen to the end of this podcast, we're bringing back that original green Keep Calm and Chive On t-shirt for 48 hours only. You can use my personal discount code. It's this should be free. I actually don't know what discount that gets you, but go to thechivery.com and give it a try.